Ellis East Elementary School walkthrough, May 18th. The Kindergarten Classroom. Unlike the polished hardwood of the other classrooms, the kindergarten room has thin blue carpet that is worn and faded with age. The room is large with a ledge alongside the north wall by the door. The ledge is about four foot high and three foot deep. Along the eastern wall is a black slate chalkboard with a projector screen anchored above it. Underneath the chalkboard is a row of brass hooks where students used to hang their gym shoes. The western wall is lined with windows and there are heavy blackout curtains with a pattern from the 1970s. The back wall is plain, painted white. In the back corner, there is a closet with a sink that is small enough to only fit a single adult, or maybe two children, washing their hands. Audio Diary of Dr. Anna Georgina Plume, Assistant Professor of Architectural History, Hollingsworth University, June 9th, 6 a.m. Today's the day! At 8.30 a.m., I meet Marianne to get the keys to the school. The movers are showing up with my belongings at 10 a.m., and tonight will be my first night in my new home. Throughout the day, I've got a few friends coming by to help with unpacking. Some of my high school friends who live nearby are dropping by during the day to help. I'm expecting both Roses and Sierra, and maybe Andrea if she doesn't get trapped in a four-hour work call. My friend Billy from my master's program and Mary from college, along with her partner Renee, are going to stay the night. And John and Rex from work are coming down from Hollingsworth for the day. My best friend from my PhD program, Emma, will be arriving tonight to help me out tomorrow. I'm also expecting internet installation and the carousel appraiser could only come by today as well. Tomorrow I've got additional deliveries of furniture for the formal living room, the dining room, and area rugs for the upstairs hallways and bedrooms. The fence for the dogs is being installed tomorrow, and the contractor is coming by to give me an estimate on the bathroom remodel. The day after tomorrow, I've got the electrician coming by to see what's going on in the gymnasium. Okay, I'm going to go get breakfast at the coffee shop when it opens at 7. And then I'll meet Marianne at the gate to get the keys. Audio Diary of Dr. Anna Georgina Plume, June 9th, 8.15 a.m. I'm parked by the school waiting for Marianne. I hadn't planned to update, but something weird just happened and I wanted to make a note of it. I went to the coffee shop for breakfast, and there was a new barista at the counter. She appeared to be a high school student, or maybe a recent graduate. She didn't seem to really notice me at first, but when she looked at me, it was clear she recognized me. I don't know her, but she was studying me so intently as if she were trying to place me. She went about her business, but when I gave her my credit card to pay the bill, her face went pale and almost greenish. It's cliched to say, like she saw a ghost, but 
that's exactly how it felt. I asked if everything was okay, but she didn't respond. Eventually, she brought back my check. It's probably nothing, but it was just an odd experience overall. Could I know her from somewhere? I mean, it's Ellisfield, so it's a small enough world, but I don't know her by name. Let's see. I'm 32 years old. She appears to be younger than my students, which puts her at about 16 or 17. So she would have been born when I was about 15 or 16. Now, I did spend every summer running the library day camp until I graduated from college, which means she may have been one of my campers the last year or two, but she would have been one of the youngest kids there, and I don't think that's it. I can name all of those kids by memory. I can picture their faces. She's not one of them. I haven't spent much time in Ellis Field since graduating from college, so I'm struggling to pin down where she could have recognized me from. For a while, my picture was on display at the high school because I won a scholarship for my senior capstone project in historical restoration. So maybe she recognizes me from there. That would not explain why she was so startled and frightened, even. Audio Diary of Dr. Anna Georgina Plume, June 9th, 8.45 a.m. Marianne has given me the keys and left. I'm standing in the front vestibule. The school is mine and I am alone in it until the movers come and my friends and family arrive at 10. That gives me an hour and 15 minutes to soak this all in. Where do I start? This hallway echoes. I may look into getting a long rug for it. I've got one being delivered tomorrow for the upstairs hallway. Since the bedrooms are up there, it seemed necessary. But I'm still not sure about this hallway. I like the wood floor, but it might be quieter with rugs. But I live alone apart from the dogs, so... Who would make noise in the first place? Maybe the dog's running up and down the hallway? I'll need to make a note of this. I feel like I'm being pulled in a million different directions. I want to go look at the carousel. I want to explore the library. Can I go up in the tower? There's nothing stopping me. But I also have all the time in the world. Yet, the newness of this all. I want to do everything now. I'm stepping into the old kindergarten classroom now. It's funny. I didn't particularly enjoy kindergarten as much as my other years here, but I loved this building. 
my kindergarten teacher was Mrs. Naves. She wasn't a bad teacher. She was just really strict. But not in the way some strict teachers are the ones you learn the most from. My friend Mindy hated her, though. She called her Vile Annie. Though, because she was terrible at spelling, it was V-I-A-L-A-N-I. Honestly, that may be the reason why no one figured out what she was talking about in those notes. When I was a student here, this room had long tables with four or five students at each. I saw those tables stacked in the basement when I toured the building. There was also an old toy kitchen in the back corner, closest to the outside wall, which I think I also saw down in the basement. Hmm. I may see about cleaning it up and donating it to charity. What was that? It sounds like someone is playing the piano upstairs. check this out. Audio Diary of Dr. Anna Georgina Plume, June 9th, 10.08pm. Everyone's either settled in their beds or they've left for the night. Both of the guest rooms are doubled up. Mary and Renee are directly across the hall from me, and Rose H. decided to stay and is sharing the room with Emma next door. And Billy is camped out on the sofa we put in the informal living room, which was the old kindergarten classroom. Because my bedroom is big enough, the dogs are in here with me on their own beds. We had enough people to help out with everything, so it's more or less unpacked. I've still got to organize my papers in my office and in the archive I put together by the library, and I might need to reorganize the library, but we work so efficiently that I don't need to unpack the kitchen or anything of that nature because everyone pitched in. My mom showed up and did a great job of directing traffic, so we were able to very effectively divide and conquer. It's going to be much easier to settle in over the next couple of days and start writing. I wanted to update on the carousel inspector. First, they were very impressed at the state of the carousel. They said it was in the best condition they've seen for a privately held carousel. They also dated it to roughly 1897 and assured me that the papers were in order and it really was a Luff carousel, though they didn't know of this one being made. In fact, they seemed pretty astonished the whole time, suggesting this find has significant value in the world of carousels, which also means they couldn't accurately offer an appraisal. Because I need to have the carousel insured, they're going to reach out to their connections in the carousel community and get a sense of the value to offer an appraisal. They were very excited about this find, and apparently the community of carousel enthusiasts is going to be really excited as well. Some details they did offer. 
It is what's called a four-abreast carousel, meaning there are four circles of horses. It has 60 animals, 48 horses, and 12 menagerie animals. Of the 60 animals, 40 are jumpers, meaning they move up and down, 16 are standing fixed, and there are four chariots allowing riders to sit together. The menagerie includes three lions, one maned and two lionesses, three tigers, two zebras, two camels, and two mules. The center of the carousel features mirrors and antique paintings of pastoral scenes and zoo animals. Apparently the only thing that is not original is the inner mechanics, which were updated presumably by the principal's grandfather with an electrical system. I now also know how to turn the carousel off, which was not as hard as we thought it would be, and I'm assured that it can be safely unplugged without any sort of damage, so currently it's not plugged in and it's turned off. I got a crash course on how to operate it, but I was warned against letting anyone ride it until I have the proper insurance. The appraiser did note that the carousel was technically turned on when we were looking at it. It wasn't running, but it was a matter of just flipping a switch to do so. I'm sure that's just because no one knew how to work the system and the power to that part of the building got turned back on. I think Marianne sent a maintenance person to turn it on since she knew the appraiser was coming. We'll hear more from the electrician soon enough. Audio Diary of Dr. Anna Georgina Plume. I don't know what time it is. Um, 3.27 a.m. So that would make it June 10th. I just had the strangest dream. I was walking down the upstairs front hallway and a nondescript dark-haired woman who looked a bit like a secretary in a film set in the 1950s said, she'll see you, and ushered me to the front stairs. Except there was also a flight of stairs going up. She gestured upward and I followed the stairs to the third floor, where I found a hallway very similar to the one on the second floor, except it was darker. The walls had a kind of baroque maroon wallpaper, and there were ferns everywhere. And I wandered the hallways looking for her, whoever she was. I heard a voice call out for Lucy, and then Earl Grey started yipping in his sleep and woke me up. It appears I'm not the only one having vivid dreams tonight, though his dream probably involved a game of fetch. The strangest part is that these dreams are familiar. When I was in kindergarten, I used to have dreams that we were going to the school library, but something was blocking the hallways, so we would have to go above, and we would climb more stairs and walk down a dark hallway like the one in my dream tonight. I asked Nana if there was anything above the library, and she said there wasn't any more, 
When she was a girl, there was a third floor to the building, but it was removed. I have found old pictures of the building from before it was removed, but no record of why it was removed. Now I just need to find a way to go back to sleep. I feel very awake. Under normal circumstances, I would explore the school at night. But given that I have guests tonight, I don't want to wake anyone up. Maybe now would be a good time to review some early memories from the school. Start at the beginning, perhaps? I started attending Ellis East Elementary School when I was in kindergarten in the fall of 1994. The house I grew up, where my parents still live to this day, was about six blocks away. Though six blocks in Ellis Field means the other side of town. I never really walked to school very often, as it involved crossing the railroad tracks, but sometimes in the spring, Mom would walk over and pick us up in the afternoon. Kids who lived in town walked to school or were dropped off by their parents, but kids who lived in the surrounding country area were bussed in. Even though it was largely out of practice around the country at the time, the kids who lived in town still had the option of going home to eat lunch. It was something my mom seriously considered, but ultimately decided against. On my first day of kindergarten, I remember wearing a pink and white striped dress. I fell off the merry-go-round on the playground during all three recesses. I didn't touch the merry-go-round for a year after that. Weird. I think I hear the piano again. It could just be Billy. He played it after dinner. Let me put on a bathrobe and see if it's him. Honestly, that electrician cannot come soon enough. Audio Diary of Dr. Anna Georgina Plume, June 10th, 7.30 a.m. Recorded in my home office formerly classroom 1A, over my second cup of English breakfast tea. Well, that was something. I went downstairs and was able to turn off the carousel, and no one else appeared to be awake from it, so that was good. The carousel is now turned off and unplugged because you can't be too careful, apparently. I wasn't about to venture into the basement in the middle of the night, so I didn't rectify the circuit breaker until I woke up about a half an hour ago. After turning off the carousel, I went back to bed and forgot to check to see if it was Billy on the piano. I fell asleep almost instantly. No weird dreams this time. Now I'm awake before everyone else. 
Emma is going to pick up breakfast from the coffee shop around 9, so until then, I'm going to spend a quiet morning relaxing in my office. Over the next few days, I have plans to review some of the papers Melinda Basil from the local library sent me. She did not disappoint. There are currently six boxes. Box 1 is labeled 1885 to 1910. Box 2 is labeled 1912 to 1917. Box 3 is labeled 1917 to 1930. Box 4 is labeled 1942 to 1979 slash 1990. Box 5 is labeled 1975 to 1988. Box 6 is labeled 2002 to 2011. I don't mean to cast aspersions on Ms. Basil's filing system, this makes no sense whatsoever. At any rate, the boxes seem full, and this is very likely a wealth of records and information I can use to study the school. I'll make formal recordings in the coming weeks, but today is a big day, so I think I'll stop recording for now. Audio Diary of Dr. Anna Georgina Plume June 10th, 10.37 p.m. Today marks the end of my second day here, my first full day. Most of it was spent working in tandem with Emma in different rooms. She left about two hours ago. After my entry reviewing the papers this morning, the additional furniture I ordered was delivered. After that, I walked through each room and reviewed what needs to be done. The list so far. Classroom 1C, now my formal living room. I need to hang curtain rods and curtains. This is done in all of the other rooms, and my mom is coming by tomorrow to help me. Classroom 1B, now formal dining room. The cabinet with my silverware needs to be organized. Classroom 1A, now home office. Put papers in order. Kindergarten classroom, now informal living room. Alphabetized movie collection. Check to make sure I can use the home theater setup. Music room. Buy one of those piano locks. I keep thinking I hear the piano being played. It must be like a building settling thing. Perhaps the wind? Anyway, whatever is causing it, a lock will put a stop to it. Classroom 3B, now my archive. Put papers in order. Library. Sort old books and determine what can be donated and what I would like to keep. Reorganize my own book collection. On the subject of the library, when I was in there earlier this afternoon, I was clearing off a shelf in the back corner behind the front desk and I found a false back to the shelf. There was a box in there. It appears to be pretty old. I'll review it tomorrow. Also, the dog fence is now set up in the side yard to the west of the building. They can go out and run on their own. I'm training the dogs to ride the elevator downstairs because I don't want them on the stairs. 
I put baby gates on either end of the stairs to keep them from trying to go down them. My plan is to take them out and let them run around the bigger lot daily with my supervision, though. Additional to-do list items. Get groceries. I've been living off takeout since moving in, in part because there has always been other people here, but I have so much refrigerator space, there's no reason not to cook. Have additional keys made. One set for my parents, one set for emergencies. I'll need a key to the front gate, as well as one that opens both the front and back doors. I may look into keys for the additional outside doors, but that should do it for now. Ellis East Elementary School walkthrough, May 18th. I walk over to the window where I can see the small side yard on the west side of the building. Walking around the perimeter of the room, I can see that the top of the ledge has a wooden surface, which has some degree of wear and tear, but is mostly in good shape. The floor of the closet is a yellow and white linoleum pattern. Excluding the curtains, the room is completely empty, so there's not much else to describe. Except, there is a large single circle drawn on the chalkboard in white chalk. Since there is nothing more to report here, I leave the classroom and cross the hall to classroom 1A. Lavender Evening Fog is a fiction podcast written by Victoria Dickman Burnett, directed by Ben Baird, and produced, mixed, and edited by Nick Federico. Executive producers are Ben Baird and Victoria Dickman Burnett, and the voice of Anna Georgina Plume is Victoria Dickman Burnett. The Lavender Evening Fog logo was designed by Allison Dickman. Special thanks to Tony Barrett for his advice on this episode's tea pairing. This episode is brought to you by the little items you found over the years whose stories you will never know. This episode pairs well with an earthy black tea with caramel and cardamom. <laughs>